Hello, and welcome to the Lost Horror Podcast. A podcast that releases episode in a way that we hope is not confusing. Um, Because <laughs> uh, our break may have come a little bit earlier than anybody was expecting. Uh, two weeks back by the time this is out. Um, so yeah, uh, life happens and stuff. And uh, that's why <laughs> it might have seemed weird or disjointed. <laughs> Because um, we were in a little bit of a groove there. Um, but yeah, I am Arlen Haro, of course. And joining me, as usual, Eric Sayor. We're still doing three a week, three a month, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty fine yeah. with it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine with it. But if somebody is, there, there's someone out there who was like, what, it's supposed to be three weeks in a row, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I feel you, that person. Uh, I get you. Um, but yeah, we're we're here. We're back. We're talking about recent recent ish stuff. By the time this episode comes out, um, hopefully, crazy horrible things don't happen in the next six days between now and when this would come out, because um, that would never happen in this world. Uh, yeah, um, there's. I, I think there's like fifty fifty odds. Uh, hopefully, yeah. we're on the good side of those odds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, cut to World War Three happening the day after we record this. Um, that would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> great time for podcast listening. Um, but yeah, aside from all that, um, this is a recently watched episode, and uh, but other stuff as as it tends to happen. Um, and uh, we're kind of winging it we talked about doing news at the end but if it comes up we're i I say we just go for it um but uh was there anything uh at the front that you really wanted to talk about that you've seen or done recently um i i I did watch the biggest movie i think of the last month uh spike lee's the five bloods i think that's a good thing to say it's like probably the biggest release uh yeah we've had since uh, the beginning of quarantine uh and it's it's really good it's like a, a, i'm not too familiar with uh spike lee films I've, i'm trying to rectify that i have plans of watching his older stuff because i feel like there's no better time than now um yeah. but yeah the five bloods is a it's a war movie um or maybe like it, it's half, half of it is a war movie and half of it is like a PTSD movie. Um, it, it takes place. It's about like four, um, four Vietnam veterans going back to uh, Vietnam to for two things: the the body of uh, one of their fellow Bloods that was there with them and that died during the war, and. Uh, some gold, <laughs> a lot of gold that they uh, found during a mission and buried and want to go back and find and uh, <laughs> make themselves rich uh, in their yeah. old age. Because they're all old men, um, old black men. Um, uh, and the, the movie like uh, has like some, uh, there's, a bunch of flashbacks where you were filmed with different style of cameras, but with the old actors still playing their younger selves uh, and Chadwick Boseman uh, playing uh, their young, dead um, uh, fellow blood. 
and right. it's a really good movie. It's it's a a great war movie. It's a great movie about these characters. Uh, uh, they're f- like the a movie about that generation specifically, that black generation uh, that went to uh, Vietnam and during Vietnam had to deal with the death of Martin Luther King and coming back after that and um, trying to deal with their feelings and their inability to process them. Uh, it's it's also a movie that's like in direct conversation with uh, Apocalypse Now. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there's a uh, an image maybe if you've seen some images of this movie, the like the one that's being shared online a lot is like uh, the four of them dancing at an Apocalypse Now party in Vietnam. Uh, but uh, some of the performance at the end feels like uh, indirect conversation with Brando in that movie. Um, mm. it, it's really great. It's worth seeing. It's uh, maybe the best movie I've seen this year. Uh, it's 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 up there. It's uh, Spike Lee definitely hit it out of the park. And it's a movie that feels incredibly relevant now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, that's that all sounds. Good. I don't know why I haven't seen this yet. Just for the record, I just just haven't gotten to it. Um, and it's, it's yeah, yeah. my thing though. It's um, it, it has its hard moments, but it, like like most Spike Lee movies, uh, right. it feels very watchable. Like it's it's a uh, it it approaches heavy subjects, but it's also like a. Yeah. It's also like he he's so good at just like style and making just having his character have like fun conversation, mm-hmm. even when talking about hard subjects. Um, yeah, I, even when he's preachy, it feels like it's coming from an interesting, watchable place. Um, at least in past films. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that that sounds right on track with, yeah. with what I would expect from from Spike. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch this soon. Uh, it always helps to hear from from you or any of my <laughs> other friends uh, that it was good. Um, because yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've been avoiding it or if it's just yeah. Yeah, that yeah been... it's one of those you have to sit down and just like watch yeah. and do nothing else. It's like uh, more than like two hours and a half long, so it's like it, it's a it's a big one, you know. But it's like it's mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what have you been yeah. watching? Uh, a lot of random stuff. I think I talked on the last of these that we did about getting out of just watching YouTube, but I kind of fell back into that. Um, and any any YouTube channels you've been like interested in that you wouldn't have uh, in another situation, or um... uh, nothing I can nothing that I can really think of. More stuff that was stuff that was inevitable, I guess. Um, I kind of got very into. Bon Appetit, which is oddly timely, <laughs> um, because one of their producers got fired, um, and every person of color who is currently on that staff or who is no longer on that staff because they quit, um, they are all convinced that it's because he spoke out against the company's payment policies and other uh, things, because uh, it is owned by Condé Nast. Um, so it was interesting that I sort of just became obsessed with that channel at the 
right at the moment before learning about that story and having that story be all over my Twitter feed. Um, so yeah, that that's one that I was that I got very into, which is not a surprise for anybody that knows me, because uh, I've sort of become obsessed with cooking uh, lately, <laughs> especially during all this. Um, so yeah, that's that's a YouTube channel that I've been watching a lot of, um, and a lot of just smaller informational stuff. Last few days, I've been watching a lot of videos um, of first uh, language English speak English speakers making videos for their South Korean students um, <laughs> uh, to get to help them sort of orient around the different American accents. Um, I don't know why I've been <laughs> obsessively watching those, <laughs> but I just have. Um, I guess it's just interesting for me to hear like a South African person talk about weird South African things, idioms and the like. Um, so that's that's been me with YouTube for the last few days. Um, I have been able to watch some movies um, over the last month or two or whatever. Um, one movie that was the highest box office movie, I guess, or the most profitable movie of the quarantine, um, which is uh, The Wretched, um, a movie that apparently is doing very well in drive-in theaters right now, um, which are the only theaters that are currently open. Um, and a lot of people have seen it, and once they see it, they're like, oh, this movie's bad. This this is a terrible movie. But it's it's doing well, and it's a movie that people can put in front of a... or they can put it on, on a drive-in fairly easily. Um, and that's sort of what I went into it with, of like, okay, well, a lot of people have seen this movie. Most people don't think it's very good. I kind of need to know why, so I rented it. I watched it one night after you know a, a nice amount of wine, a fair <laughs> amount, a fair amount of alcohol. Um, <laughs> I know um, the feeling. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I'll and I'll say this: um, it's fine. Um, it feels very much like uh, the people who made it. They had one like idea for a first movie. Um, it's, it feels a lot like a student film or something very early days, but it's impressive just because it feels like somebody gave them real money to make it. And I kind of want to dig into the behind the scenes if I get the time, because it, it looks like a very professional Blumhouse level horror movie, but the story isn't there so i can understand why people are saying that it's bad um parts of it are very confusing um but the directors have an understanding of of uh how to do convincing scares and uh convincing um uh scary visuals um and uh strong pacing uh and uh i would say that they're good at casting um, they got a lot of very good makeup effects, and they nailed a tone. They were clearly like trying to evoke the '80s, but a lot of indie horror right now—they're just trying to do the '80s 
at least the version of the 80s in their head and they're not trying to say anything about it or do anything deeper with that. This movie felt like it's using the 80s as a jumping off point, but it's not just trying to recreate it. Um, and it was a it's a it's a fine movie. I, it's one of those that I'm sure I've talked about on here before where I want to see what these people do next. And I hope their other movie, whatever it is, uh, is better than this one. Um, uh, it's a, you know, it's a sign of um, promise, but it, I wouldn't call it a movie that people should rush out and see. Um, again, uh, the quarantine and all that might change how people, uh, <laughs> what people's priorities are um, and what they're willing to spend or not spend. Um, but if, if this one does come to a streaming service or something like that, um, certainly maybe wait a little bit for it. Um, it's not, it, it's, it's not a movie that you really need to, uh, rush out to see. Um, but I felt like I needed to have an opinion on this one <laughs> for some reason. So it, it feels like a movie that's very much in your recent wheelhouse where you've been watching a bunch of that type of movie. I feel like just looking at your letterbox when you're, we're not talking. Um, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, it feels like a. It sounds like a just a right time, right place kind of thing. Like it came out at the moment, the perfect movie for drive-ins came out at the time where the drive-in have never been as popular. Um, interesting. It's it's not one I'm gonna seek out. I think. No, uh, you, and you don't need to. That's the thing. You don't need to. I think my point is wait for these directors. That I think it's like a brother team, Drew Pierce and Brett Pierce, um, wait for their next movie, whatever it is. Um, if their next movie is uh, you know, a, a substantial step up from this, then it will probably be great. Um, their next movie could be an It Follows or you know, some other yeah. great horror movie. Um, or it could go the exact opposite direction. Um, but we won't know. Um, but I will be curious if I see directors of the wretched sign on to do some bigger horror movie franchise. I might be a little bit worried about that. Um, but who knows? Um, could be, could be something. Um, so yeah. Uh, I think that's, I think that's most of what I had to say about the wretched. Um, yeah. Uh, do we want to uh, go on to another movie? That yeah. You Yeah, I've, I've been continuing my exploration of George Miller's filmography, um, watching both Babe movies and being uh, very surprised by <laughs> what I was watching. Um, you've, you've watched both these movies? Um, not recently, but they okay. are they're very much a part of uh, my upbringing. Uh, more okay. the first one than the second one, but yes. Um, okay, because the the first one is like I wasn't expecting something this good, you know. Uh, it's like just a very good movie, uh, um, like a, a huge Oscar push at that year. Uh, got yeah. like ten nominations or something, which I I didn't know before watching the movie. Just after while looking it up, it's it's just a really like good children's film, very. Yeah. Watchable, very well made, uh, enjoyable, uh, good performance, um, uh, good pig. I don't know. Yeah, uh, very good pig. Not directed by George Miller, and you yeah. 
see the difference when he's the one directing because um babe the baby sequel babe big in the city is completely insane it's like yes. uh it's like the mad max of children's movies it's like it, it there's like a, a thunderdome scene like there's a scene in that movie that's just the thunderdome scene again um except there's like monkeys and a pig running around but they're like people tied to ropes fighting in the air uh and people not animals only uh it has like some of the most like completely off the wall stuff i've ever seen in a children's movie it's it's up there it's it's incredible it's like one of the funniest movies i i've seen in a long time i had so much fun watching it um yeah like all the first movies are like all about farm animals this one is like there's like you get into a house and there's like there's the pig opens a door and there's just a monkey family there like all dressed in clothes uh, watching tv acting like they're just like homeowners and <laughs> <laughs> and then the owner comes back in and you see that the owner is not all there and <laughs> the, 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 like, the owner has like a bunch of different type of monkeys and there's like this older orangutan and um, they do this live show in hospitals for children and uh, by the time like he's so old that I like the you're supposed to get that the one of the monkeys is running the show at this point, and he's more or less a puppet just being there. It's it's very weird. It's If you've never seen this movie and you've only seen the first Babe, uh, go look this up. It's amazing. It's it's so good. Uh, it's not a movie for children at all. Uh, right. <laughs> if you, like, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's just... Uh, a weird sequel, the, maybe the weirdest sequel I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I probably need to see it. Like I said, I I watched the original many many times as a child, but I, I think I watched this one maybe once or twice, and I think it was just above my head at that time in my life. Um, yeah, but the memories are coming back to me as you say these things. I'm like, that's right, that did happen in this film that I saw twenty. 22 years ago um that i obviously need to revisit um because that sounds insane um yeah yeah um oh my <laughs> it's it's like a a george miller film 100 percent, which right. I, i'm happy i got to see going down this road uh i'm very curious not to get to the happy feet movie and see what i find there <laughs> Yeah, I, I do wonder if either of us revisit them and they're just, like, fantastic. We just don't remember them that way. I feel like we were both maybe a little bit too old. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen them at all. Or maybe yeah. I, I I can't, like, like... I think there's another also Penguin movie that came out at the same time, and then there's Madagascar mm -hmm. that has those penguins. So it's hard for me to, to know right. if I yeah. have... Penguin animated penguin memories where they're from. Yeah, I'm not sure if I saw that one or if I saw the one where Shia LaBeouf plays a surfing penguin. Um, I can't, I can't tell you that I haven't seen either of them or which one I've seen. Um, like Happy Feet feels like the kind of movie that was on 
during like a family get together in the background that I was barely paying attention to. Um, but it was there for the younger children that were around to keep them distracted. Um, but I couldn't tell you what happened or in what order it occurred. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen the second film. Um, uh, that, that, that again was just beyond what I was into at that moment. I think I was in high school by then. Um, so yeah, um, it, I would be curious to see them and find out that they're like fantastic kids films or something. Um, because, <laughs> I'll report back next time we do one of these episodes. I can't wait. <laughs> And maybe I'll, I'll have the energy to go back and watch Lorenzo's Oil finally. But uh, yeah, that's that mm. just wasn't like going in order. It just well, I wasn't in the right state of mind to watch that. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else we've been watching? Um, one that I think we talked about during that last fall preview episode that we did. Remember the preview episodes? Yes. Remember when we could do those? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um uh i think we brought this up then uh the good liar um uh directed by bill condon uh starring helen mirren and ian mckellen um and it's a it's a very very british film for those who didn't know who hadn't seen it um it feels like it's all the bbc actors and directors and crew and set uh, when they're not working on other BBC productions, <laughs> just hired by Warners to make this movie. Um, and it's it's a lot of what you saw in the trailers for those that had, where it's sort of a you know an aging con man doing his last job. Um, and uh, Helen Mirren is the mark. Um, and it's actually, it's surprisingly good. I think it's just that Bill Condon is a very competent director. Um, so if his script is the last two Twilight films, it's it's the last, it just becomes the last two Twilight films, and it's exactly what you expect. Um, <laughs> if his script is this, which is a sort of a, a higher than middle of the road crime thriller uh, mystery, uh, you get exactly what that calls for. Um, and, uh, it's elevated, I would say, by Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren's performances. Um, they, they, they add the electricity to this movie that it needs. Um, and, uh, it's, it's very interesting seeing Ian McKellen play, like, a sad character. Uh, I feel like, and not to speak for both of us, but I feel like our our lives are have been formed by not sad versions of, of that actor um, and the kinds of performances that he plays. He doesn't really play tragic in that way. Even as Magneto, I wouldn't say he's tragic. Um, he sort of plays um, characters that you can embrace uh, to some extent. Um, so this was weird watching him play just like a very old, sad individual. Um, but he... he did it like you'd expect Ian McKellen to do it. Um, chewing the scenery in a couple sequences. Um, he plays a real scumbag in parts. Um, and I, I rather enjoyed that also. Um, it has a twist that I don't think most people would see coming. I didn't expect it to go exactly where it went. Um, and when it did, I was like, oh, this is that kind of movie. 
where I'm never going to anticipate what was, or I was never meant to anticipate what was going to happen. And I maybe could have put some of the pieces together, but not to that extent. Um, because, yeah. Um, and I think it, and this is something that they never confirm in the movie, I think it takes place in like 2003 or something like that. <laughs> Um, which is something I don't think they got across in the marketing, and uh, certain things that happen make a lot more sense uh, it, when you realize it takes place then. Um, so yeah, um, definitely worth checking out, especially in in the states here, where a lot of people are just now or a month ago now uh, signed up for HBO Max, and they probably have access to this movie. Um, so worth worth watching there if you have that subscription um and you have uh nothing else to do with your life <laughs> on a day <laughs> on a day coming up here um uh so yeah definitely definitely give this a shot so i have a weird relationship with this movie uh in that uh this the trailer for it played in front of every movie for like for months, and I started yeah. to despise it because yeah, I had the same thing. Yeah, I had the exact same thing. <laughs> like the last thing I wanted was to watch this movie because I watched the trailer more than any other trailer in the last. I think I can say like six, seven years, maybe. Yes, yes, because it was in front of every kind of movie too. Yeah, they didn't care what it was. Light-hearted comedies, horror movies, everything. It was just there. I saw it on IMAX screens multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was it was insane. Um, so it, yeah, yeah. It, it did give me like a, a kind of a feeling of disgust for this movie. Um, so I'm probably <laughs> it's gonna take me maybe more time to get sure. <laughs> want to look into it. Um, also, I don't think it's like the kind of premise that really uh, interests me. Other than uh, I like, you, you know, the cast is good, but uh, yeah. like it's just it, like even now I don't feel like it's worth my time. No, that's, that's <laughs> completely fair. Um, I'm I'm curious. Did you see um, the, uh, Bill Condon's previous film, like a couple of films ago? Um, Mr. Holmes. Yes, uh, I did. Um, yeah, with that was actually, as well. Yeah, and that was actually part of my light excitement for this movie. Is I kept remembering that he had done that movie, um, which is one that I would definitely, I would more readily recommend that that one. Yeah, <laughs> than this one. Like, go back and watch that one because it's pretty. It's pretty solid. Um, yeah. That's that's one I was really curious about, and I feel like there's like a there's something there that they liked working together, and they mm -hmm. uh, were looking for a new project. But yeah, I think Mr. Holmes, just because of what it is, sounds more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. Maybe I'll look. <laughs> I watch that, and if that is good, then I'll <laughs> consider the Good Liar in a new light. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll say this. Mr. Holmes, when I watched it, it was kind of the peak of, um, I guess, Sherlock <laughs> as a concept. Um, I was kind of over the whole idea of Sherlock Holmes. I think I was even, like, not really as interested in the BBC Sherlock. I just, just the whole thing yeah. of it had nothing for me. 
And I went into this movie like, okay, what's this movie going to say about this character that I would at all care about? Um, and I feel like it, it did some stuff with it um, that was interesting. Um, and it had some things to say about, you know, getting old and um, you know what that does to somebody who has a lot of pride in who they are and uh, how they see themselves and all this other deeper stuff that's very well handled in the movie. The cast of that movie is pretty spectacular also. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely recommend watching that one. And if you like that one, I think you would actually get something out of The Good Liar. Um, because I, I think you're right. I think they work very well together. Um, and I'm and he actually did a few other movies with Bill Condon, and I kind of want to go back and watch the other movies McKellen has done with him. Um, because they all look pretty interesting. I think my problem with Bill Condon is when I think about him, I think about that garbage Beauty and the Beast film. Like, yeah, unwatchable movie. Like, I tried getting through it. I watched half of it, and that's enough for a lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never, I've never watched it. I never will watch it. You can't, you can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very bad. It's, <laughs> and not in a fun way. It's just like, just yeah. a, a bad time all around. Yeah, he seems to be a very inconsistent director like he did that uh what the fuck is the name of the guy uh the julian assange movie <laughs> um where benedict Cum cumberbatch plays one of the weirdest looking men on earth uh and yeah like a lot of weird stuff in there um and yeah and again he did those breaking dawn films if that's what you want to call them if you, if you want to call them films <laughs> Um. Yeah, but he also did Dream Girls, which I think people I think people like that one. Uh, I assume people like that one. Um. So yeah, very interesting director. Um. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, do we want to go on to another yeah, movie? Home, I've been doing some very fun rewatching recently, which I, I think I kind of just want to talk about. I I um I I got. Recently, the Blu-ray for um, shit. for uh, Ping Pong the animation, which uh, I think now I, I rewatched all of it uh, over the past week or so. It's it's only like eleven twenty minutes episode, so it's it's very easily watchable, and I think that's my favorite TV show. Uh, simply like mm. my favorite animated show for sure. Uh, my favorite TV show, I I. It's hard to compare uh, an anime and Twin Peaks or right. something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's up there. It's like one of my favorite things ever. It's just like such mm -hmm. a good show and even more uh, thematically rich than I remember. It's a movie that's about sports. Like it's it's about like it it, it centered around the, sp the sport of ping pong. Like it treats ping pong as a very serious thing but that's not really what it's about it's more about like uh what sport and uh competition and the search for success and greatness and having that success and greatness early and being forced to it uh like um 
the relationship between sport and talent and how much can one push uh, oneself forward and all those things like very uh, all, all those things shown through very different characters um like it goes into like i think i'd say like four five main characters and then like uh five uh, secondary characters and you get the through like very a very economic show um to understand all of their relationship with each other but their relationship with ping pong which is like more important and how um uh, and how they view it very differently and how like uh what it means to center your life around the sport it's it's uh, as like um uh, Like I've never, I've done some competitive sport when I was younger, but no, never to that high level. But still, it's like uh, immediately understandable as as uh, if you like ever like what watch sport or done sport. Um, uh, it's it's to see those characters. Like I don't think I've seen anything uh, portray all that uh, in such a smart way. Uh, it's it's incredible. It's like it's it's just a superb show uh, and it looks amazing it it does like some editing stuff that you don't like it's edited kind of like a comic where uh, you'll get like panels on screen appearing one after the other and uh just just looking up like a tennis match on youtube uh, a ping pong match in this show on youtube is just like i showed one to a friend recently and they were it's, it's like you you get everything out of it that you'd get it's an adaptation from a comic and it takes a lot from that uh a manga uh but it's it's just on its own it's, it's one of the best things it's one of my favorite things hmm. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> we've talked about this this many times before so <laughs> um yeah that um that sounds interesting um yeah I, yeah <laughs> I know it's like a not uh, like if you've never watched anime maybe it's not like the, an easy thing to get into it's just like I think it's it's like one of those things that's just it's just very watchable so it's it, it's right. not uh, it's never tropey it's it has a very particular animation style that's very different from the from cute modern anime it's a lot closer to the mm -hmm. um, to the uh, uh, manga style which is very particular um the exciting news i got recently is that uh the director masaki Iwasa, who we talked about uh before right. um and the creator of this manga are working together on uh Iwasa's next film which has me just incredibly excited um yeah i'm actually very interested in that hearing that because of uh nightish short walk on girl yeah um I, i would get that title confused if i didn't think about it for that little bit there. <laughs> um yeah um that movie was uh very impressive to me so if they're if they're working together on something else i'm i'm into it um because yeah um Like I said, it's very impressive and um, did things that I was like, oh, 
okay, that's cool. And just in the animation world in general, very few people are doing anything that looks and feels like this. So I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I've seen some sports anime, but nothing feels like this, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has just like... Um, there's just this love for the thing they're you're showing um that's that's palpable uh and just like it's just a very cool show uh i also got to introduce uh some family to my favorite movie uh, what's probably my favorite movie spirit of the way uh it, like a uh for a while the ghibli movie kind of got lo- lost in like the rights war in Canada, uh, since like the it, all around the world they went on Netflix and in the US they went on HBO Max. Mm. And here, uh, we don't have HBO Max, but uh, HBO Max got the <laughs> what was said to be the exclusive North American rights, so we were kind of fucked for a while. But now, uh, the Netflix Canada got them, so um, so I, I was at my parents' place. Uh, for my for for my birthday and we were having dinner and just like I put it on uh, after dinner drinks I put it on in the background just on mute just to mm. have something playing on the TV right. uh, and like that's a movie that just kind of has like some real cool imagery and mm-hmm. drag, drags you in to an extent to the extent that they asked me to put the sound on and we ended up watching all of it and it was a very fun time. Uh, they I, they enjoyed it uh, as much as like uh, probably not on the same level as I did, but <laughs> but still, it was like just a fun experience to share that uh, with people that probably have never watched any anime in their life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a rare thing to experience. <laughs> um, it, it that validation is a. Yeah is a good feeling to say the least um because it it only happens very rarely but when it does it's a it's pretty cool yeah. um i feel like that's actually a good segue into one of the other things i've been watching recently um or wa- watched i think i watched this like a month ago um uh the 1977 movie uh house um not to be confused with the 1980s american film house um uh, directed by, I'm not even going to say that name because I, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't disrespect this man that way. Um, but yes, this movie, which uh, recently came on to HBO Max, I could have watched it through Criterion, obviously, but um, I don't know. It was on Max, and it felt like a good moment. And uh, uh, yeah, so this movie, um, which I didn't, I didn't realize what this movie was before having seen it. Um, it is essentially a live action anime in in every way that counts. Um, a lot of what they're doing feels like it's trying to capture, especially like seventies and late sixties anime um, from the bits and pieces of that that I've seen. Um, and it it nails that tone so well in live action, um, better than even anything that has come after the fact, like modern films that have tried to capture that aesthetic <clears throat> haven't captured it as well as this. And as a result, it's like Lynchian in many ways. It predates a lot of um, a lot of modern like 
Japanese horror tropes as well because it's it's like a haunted house movie. So it feels like a lot of the J-horror stuff that America was ripping off in the early 2000s, but it's 20 years ahead of any of that stuff. Um, and they're all sort of um, you know, cribbing from traditional Japanese folklore, of course. Um, but it feels like it sort of set some of the standards for that stuff um, way ahead of time. But it's far trippier than, <laughs> than a lot of those movies are, I feel like. Um, it's just very, very strange. Um, and it's quite an experience. I definitely recommend watching it. Um, again, as I said with the wretched, uh, after you've had some drinks, um, it will, it will, it will be a good experience. Um, but it, I was surprised by how easily I was able to just follow along with it because I, I sometimes have problems with that. Um, and it's just a endlessly watchable movie. I, I definitely want to watch it again at some point. Um, I feel like if you're somebody who has the ability to do like a, a house party with friends or a, a group chat, I guess now, um, definitely do that with people who maybe seen it before and maybe people who haven't. Um, because it, it feels like one of those kinds of movies where watching somebody who hasn't seen it before and their reaction to like someone pulling a head out of a well and having that head come to life and fly out of somebody's hand. Um, you need to be there to see somebody's reaction to that for the first time. Um, and even describing it, it will still astonish you when you actually see it um, because it's, it's insanity. Um, and so, yeah, uh, watch, watch the movie house. Uh, from 1997 uh, if you have access to it um, because it is something um, yeah yeah, I love that movie it's rules it's such a fun time <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's like it, it has the story of a horror movie but isn't at all like it's a just this weird experimental stuff it does like um, it does very it does stuff with just the medium that you don't really see, like uh, like <laughs> a very uh, large definition of what counts as, as CGI <laughs> is yeah. used in this movie. <laughs> it's it's just a real good time. Uh, I I th I really want to rewatch. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Uh, I've only seen it once. I need to rewatch this. It's just, it's like. Just hearing you talk about it makes me want to get back into it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Like, it's probably the most fun movie on Criterion Channel. <laughs> yes, think. certainly, it's 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 up there. Um, and like everything about it, like the character names, <laughs> like the characters are named after concepts. Um, <laughs> Professor Melody Mac Fantasy Kung Fu and Sweet. Um, the greatest character names of all time, possibly. Um, and it's just it's a it's a wild ride. Um and definitely worth definitely worth checking out. Um because yeah, it's just it's very fun. And the music, this is something that came up in I feel like a recent episode, but the music is a very important part of this movie as well. Um, there's this theme that plays throughout the entire thing. And again, that's the very sort of, uh, you know, TV show-esque aspect of it, is that the theme continually plays, but it changes depending on the mood. 
and it sort of tells it gives you a sense of what the versatility of music is that you can have the same tune playing but you play it in a different chord you play it at a different tempo and it suddenly morphs to fit what is going on um and yeah it's absolutely perfect with everything that's going on visually and, and like there are transitions in the movie that happen where i'm like you're allowed to do that <laughs> movies are allowed to make that transition and it just does it um it's some of the boldest filmmaking i've ever seen um so yeah uh yeah watch watch watch, watch house um again if, if if anybody has access to it um because I will definitely be watching it again at some point. Um, yeah. Um, did we want to go to another movie of yours? Um, uh, yeah, I, I did watch... News, even. Um, yeah, I, I did watch two uh, of the bigger, rare big movies that came out this year. Uh, uh, I don't know if there, either you want to get into either of them, but I, I watched both uh, The Gentleman and uh, Bloodshot. Um, two... So let's talk about the gentleman. Um, Two movies. Yeah, <laughs> the, the gentleman is um, all right. I guess it's like a it's 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 entertaining in the way Guy Ritchie, yeah, his his movies are. Uh, it's also like kind of racist. Uh, I feel like that's like uh, something that you can't get around. Like it's it's it has like some. Does real weird stuff in its portrayal of uh, of Asian characters. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, it's stuff that the I think the the reasoning behind it a lot of the time is if it's from the point of view of the characters, like it's like oh well, that's just a bad person, and that's just how they see it. But like. I feel like it's not doing that. It's just I feel like it becomes the point of view of the director. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. exactly that what I got out of it. It's like this is how Guy Ritchie think. <laughs> yeah, it's not about like, yeah. This is what he thinks about uh, Asian criminals and in that culture, uh, and like uh, how it's the most stereotypical thing ever and hasn't changed since the movies of the sixties. You know. Right, like it, if it's it's an example of a director telling on themselves, like, yeah, this is this is what I think of this of this particular thing, um, and it just I don't know, it's very discordant and distracting at parts of the movie, um, where there are other moments in the movie where I'm like, oh wow, this is actually very compelling, or this is interesting, or that's an interesting choice. Um, the way that the movie opens is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's it's you know it's one of those things where you could watch and like, well, I know what's going to happen, but I, I think it's actually very well directed. So you're sort of like go along with it. But again, like that the stuff that you're talking about, it happens, and it's like I, I don't know how to feel about the rest of this movie because um, parts of it are you know as good as say um, I guess his American counterpart in in some places could be like Soderbergh, I guess. And there are parts of this movie that feel kind of Soderbergh-ish. Um, but it's, again, like, it's it's so distracting. <laughs> it's yeah. so, like, uh, upending of, like, my ability to enjoy it uh, in parts. Um, and I feel like he actually has interesting things to say about 
British society um, that are actually pretty accurate um, and interesting. And again, then that stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and it's like, ah. It has uh, yeah. the most uh, useless and exploitative uh, rape scene in any in, in a modern movie I've seen in a long time. I think yeah. like it's 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 like there, there's no reason why that scene is there, other than just like like completely thoughtless uh, write, screenwriting to include it just for, to include it. You know, it's. Yeah. It doesn't even help the character development. It's it's like it. I, th I think it worsens it, and it it even maybe ties back to the racism of it. Um, right. It's, it's weird. It's it's just like, and when it's good, it's it has like right. some very slick stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. The whole thing with um, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell is like the best part of this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by far, like he knows what kind of movie he's in, and his and his like band of trained like fighters who have a group gopros on at all times and then edit their fights is like the smartest thing in this whole movie it's so cool it's the it's it's super fun to watch and yeah and the whole just the whole thing doesn't work for me and i think as good as colin farrell is uh, i think um matthew mcconaughey isn't really good in this movie uh, he's walking through the entire thing like he, he's he's matthew mcconaughey for sure, certainly yeah. but like i would prefer any other british actor playing a, an interesting british character to this like stereotype of a southerner from america or even just another another actor um from the south you know his co-star from true detective would be more interesting to me um yeah like and it's and it's weird for me i didn't i didn't even think of going down this road but like i did watch soon after this movie previous guy Ritchie movies um which are sort of more in his sort of classical gangster con construct i had watched not lockstock um, I can't remember what the name of Snatch? the uh, Snatch. I had watched Snatch and I had watched uh Rock and Rolla. Um both movies which have uh characters or um groups of people which are sort of uh I would say you could describe as marginalized or handling of marginalized groups that are better and more interesting than what this movie does. Like there's a subplot in Rock and Rolla about a character uh, who's a gangster who is gay, and the way that his uh, his uh, fellow criminals uh, react to it. And it has more to say about, you know, I guess toxic masculinity than anything else. It's not really commenting on what it means to be gay. It's more about how they react and how they kind of come to accept him they'll accept him they're like all right <laughs> whatever um and it's and it's a kind of an interesting moment in the movie there's some other jokes in it that maybe aren't great and maybe don't date well um uh, but we can talk about that if we ever do a guy Ritchie episode and there's stuff in snatch about uh the uh gypsy characters which i would argue is much better and not uh, that say demeaning <laughs> in the way that the Henry Golding stuff is. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's weird. Like he's shown that he cannot uh, say terrible things about um, underrepresented groups in his films in the past, uh, and it's like he got lazy after doing a King Arthur movie um, or something like that. Oh, I, he got lazy after Aladdin. <laughs> well, yes, yes. He Fair. he he directed Aladdin as. Uh, little directing as that movie has. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's very little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Guy Ritchie, uh, weird director. <laughs> very weird like, director. The only thing I want out of Guy Ritchie at this point is uh, Man from Uncle 2. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'd even settle for him producing and another director coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody who he thinks can do his style. Um, uh, but we don't need his voice necessarily. Um, yeah. Uh, uh. I feel like that's the yeah. movie he did, he's done mm-hmm. in the last, uh, I don't know, yeah. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thinking about it, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the Chinese stuff in The Gentleman is a reaction to being on a bigger movie and the importance of China in the film industry and its its impact on box office. It feels now that I think about it like a reaction to having to make movies for the international audience um, and a real great way of, uh, of, uh, of uh, putting that into film, Guy Ritchie. Real thoughtful reaction to, to having to deal with that process. Um, uh, if you can't sense my sarcasm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, I think that's a good segue, kind of, into uh, some of the some of the news. Um, movie theaters are reopening, I suppose. You told me before the show, before we started recording, that things are opening a little bit earlier where you are. Um, yeah. Um, from what I've seen for now, uh, movie theaters are supposed to open uh, July 6th, so probably just around when the, this episode comes out. Um, I've received uh, emails from the small theaters, like the small indie theaters I've mm-hmm. gone to, uh, saying like they're doing like socially distanced, uh, masked wearing screenings starting then. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I've also seen that the big theater chain, the biggest theater chain in Canada, Cineplex, is, uh, I think, all the movie prices are like $6 for all mm. tickets, and then on Tuesday, it's $2 or something like that. Like, wow. anything to convince you to go watch a movie. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to convince me to go watch a movie. I'm not right. uh, very... Um, um, I have no, I have no interest in staying in inside in a theater, watch something until like, if, if like six months from now, not six months, but if like two months from now they they say like, okay, we traced no, there's been like theaters have been open and it hasn't uh, using like very the very specific things they're done and there's been no increase in number of cases. Uh, then I'll consider, but now when theaters are opening, there's nothing to go see. I want right. to go see like uh, like all these movies are going to be on demand. Uh, like some right. stuff I wish I I, I, I kind of wish I like the Five Bloods 
I really wish I had seen it in a theater. That's like a, yeah. a theater-deserving film. Uh, and I've gone to like one of those indie theaters that show Netflix movies, uh, mm-hmm. but not in a pandemic. There's no way that <laughs> I'm going to do that. Um, yeah. But but Quebec has been very good at handling the number of cases. I think we have like a 100k extra case per day uh, on a 6 million population. So we're doing pretty good. Uh, uh, we were, Montreal was one of the worst cities in the world to be hit, but uh, again, we've been doing pretty good. But now stuff is opening, and I'm kind of scared about the second wave. So uh, it's it's like mm. like it's hard to not empathize with those indie theaters, especially that right. just are gonna close if they can't open. Um, yeah, uh, but at the same time, I don't think a movie is worth. Any of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't speak for how Canadian politicians will react to theater closing, um, but I would hope that there are systems in place <laughs> uh, there to assist with smaller theater businesses. Um, here, here, I am I am also worried about a similar thing happening where indie theaters were kind of already dying here. Um, in large numbers, um, and I'm especially worried about them now. Um, some of them are like, in some places they are have they are institutions, um, cultural institutions. In some places here, um, there is a theater which has never been a first run theater. They've always been like a second run, um, you know, dollar theater thing. But that theater here is it's part of the culture of where I live. Like it's one of the few cool things about living here is that we have this old theater from like the 1930s that's still running. Um, So like, I'm really worried about that theater in particular and if they will be able to continue um, after things hopefully die down. Um, And we have another indie theater, which I don't really go to as much that I'm all, but I'm also worried about them closing down um and i would probably end up going back to them if they're still open after all this is over um because i would just want to support them um with the larger theaters i feel i feel some sympathy for them and wanting to reopen because opening during the summer is the kind of thing that would be like a a lifeline for a moment for them um, they they would at least be able to uh, continue um, even if there was another spike. So I get like nihilistically why they feel like they need to reopen now, um, but I think it's just too soon. And we're seeing that. Uh, I I feel like the the news recently this week um, of you know states where they reopened too soon are suddenly getting spikes of. Uh, new cases and things are already going back to the way they were before. Bars are shutting down again in Texas. Um, And we're already seeing theaters sort of change their mind. I think AMC theaters, it looks like they moved back to July 30th as an opening. Um, uh, The movie they're saying that they're going to open with is the movie Unhinged, starring Russell Crowe, which is uh, a choice that they're making um there's something about this whole thing yeah yeah um 
a little bit of irony there. Um, Tenant moving back, I think, was where I was like, okay, yeah, the theaters aren't going to be able to open the way that they wanted to. Um, because if Christopher Nolan's not getting his way, then we know that somebody is, is listening to some numbers person who's like, no, it's not worth it. It's In the end, it's going to be worse for us if we do open up too soon. And I really... I really hope that that is what is happening in some of these cases. Like I, we talked a little bit before, I don't know exactly how, um, uh, you know, suing a theater chain goes about or how that would work. Um, but I would assume that if enough people died from going to the theater, that some of these theater chains would die uh, for certain, uh, more so than they would if they just stayed closed and dealt with bankruptcy. Um, I think, because, yeah, I think the problem is that the people that are gonna go to theaters are the people that are gonna go everywhere, and mm-hmm. by that point, they can't, it's hard to pinpoint it to just theaters. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's 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 been weird. Like restaurants reopened here uh, at like. Uh, like just outside. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think some open inside, but like even like just I I I think they they remain mostly empty. It's mostly like people eating outside, and I think uh, yeah. the past few weeks have proven to an extent that outside is fine. Uh, but yeah, it's like it is is not necessarily fine, but like a lot safer than inside. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like. The possibility of seeing a new wave and seeing just like a lot of people are gonna get sick because of this, and the, the my uh, it's more a lot of it is also solidarity with the workers, like mm-hmm. the people there that are not gonna have a choice, uh, yeah. like um, like even here where the Canada has a, this reputation of being more sometimes more sensible than the US in some right. things. In some <laughs> uh, things, yeah. In some things, yeah. yes. yes. In some things. Um, I've heard stories uh, from someone that works in just, a, just a, a, you know, a store that's been open throughout all this, uh, but that's still like limiting the number of cost customer for social distancing. Uh, mm-hmm. like employees there being screamed at uh, by people waiting in waiting in line to get in because uh, everything's open, we should just be able to go in. Or uh, being screamed, being asked why when the employee asks the customer to keep some distance between them. And I feel like it's like the the people that are gonna gonna get the worst of it is the are the people that mm-hmm. can't do anything about it because it's their job and uh, yeah. I really feel for all those uh, employee theater employees and yeah. uh, the what's what the Canada Canada's government has been good is be giving support to employees that lost their job because right. of coronavirus like there, there's a monthly received like it's like some. Uh, like a monthly amount of money that helps cover expenses. So uh, uh, to that extent, I don't think there's that in need to go back to their uh, minimum wage job uh, mm-hmm. t- so that other people can watch movies. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's not something anybody needs. 
Yeah. Um, it was yeah, it was already like a giant luxury that we even had the ability to go to theaters. Um, an unrealistic luxury, to be honest. Um, that was kind of just floating on nothing. Um, so the idea that it's something that we really need to get back to is kind of um not it's not real. It's a, it's something that was sort of created um by these theaters wanting to get back to making their money. Um so yeah. Um uh this whole situation is just yikes. Um in lighter news, uh Broadway um is waiting till January to reopen anything, uh which they announced officially. Um, and I understand that choice uh, because uh, Broadway is not uh, it's not a giant industry industry outside of where it where it exists. <laughs> um, and uh, it is in New York, which is, of course, been hit very hard by all of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, good on them, I guess. Um, but uh, I don't know if they would have uh, actually done well by trying to force their way no. through and trying to open up so early. Um, yeah. I think it would have just backfired. Um, so, yeah, um, pretty sensible people from the sound of it. Um, and Broadway doesn't have uh, Christopher Nolan pushing for theaters to reopen so that he can be the one that saves the cinema and writing right. a letter, letter to theaters and just like just generally wanting people to just get sick because of his fucking movie. Like, who cares, man? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, like, just wait six months and release it next year. Like, there's, <laughs> you lose nothing out of it. Like, I don't see... He just wants to be, like, the savior. Right. And, like, mm -hmm. why? <laughs> well, so, uh, while we're talking about this, he doesn't want Dennis Villeneuve to be the only <laughs> director... To put out a giant movie this year, um, because that's how it's looking. Um, and I, I mean, we can't assume that there's no amount of um, uh, uh, dick measuring between those two directors who are sort of held in a similar air um, and uh, <laughs> in, a, in a similar place in our culture at the moment. Um, and I can't help but think there's a little bit of like. I don't want Dennis to be the one that gets to be the big guy of this year, the one that gets remembered. Um, I don't want to wait and do my movie after his. Um, I, I can't like not think that way <laughs> to some degree. Um, and he also doesn't also, have to yeah. be like too close in release date to that. Also, like, and Dune is gonna have many comparisons to other Nolan films if it's a good movie or if it's a successful successful movie or not. Um, the comparisons will be there because they're often compared to each other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I feel like that's a part of it. Um, yeah. But also, I can't imagine Denis Villeneuve writing a letter <laughs> to theaters right. asking them to open so that they can show Dune. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like in December, if we have to move it again, if we have to move that movie, he'll be like, "Yeah, <laughs> obviously." <laughs> Um, yeah, because I think I think Nolan has a very far too high of an opinion of himself, to be honest. Um, and uh, it's it's very disconcerting. Um, I think the hero of this whole story is Vin Diesel that just said, okay, next year, I don't care. Mm -hmm. We want everyone to be able to watch this movie. 
Uh, right. You're all our family, like the family in this in the movie. Yeah, it's like the Juggalos canceling the gathering. Like, yeah, yeah the same thing basically. Yeah, <laughs> a big crossover there. Uh, maybe they'll do them together. They'll hold the gathering around the premiere of Fast <laughs> Nine. Um, that would be fun. Um, <laughs> I can't uh, wait for Fast Nine. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have to say it. <laughs> I need to see how Han is alive. Uh, yes, I don't think we ever talked about that trailer on this show, but th- that trailer is the most incredible trailer for anything I've ever seen. Maybe it's like it, it tells like probably like most of the plot in there, but it has like five incredible moments in a row, just one after the other, yeah. and more each one more incredible than the other. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> like it's 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 pretty amazing. Yeah, and it makes me realize, like, I I love the I love the MCU, but I think in a weird way, the Fast movies are more comprehend comprehensible by the wider group, by the wider audience, uh, especially in trailers for most people. Like, a lot of people saw that trailer and had that same reaction of like. Ah, oh, I'm very excited by all of this, and I have feelings about everything going on that I'm about to see. Um, it's like the biggest soap opera that everybody has an opinion on, um, and I really need to see that movie um, and see how Vin Diesel is like trying to one up Hobbs and Shaw, <laughs> um, because we all know there's going to be a lot of like recreating moments from that movie and Vin trying to do those moments better. Um, <laughs> because him and the rock apparently don't like each other um yeah i can't wait for that movie that will be uh a nice salve uh if we ever do get to go back to theaters again um yeah. so yeah um yeah. I, th- I think it's a good place to 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 exit this maybe the last thing i'll say on a weird weird story thing like uh the biggest theater chain here cineplex was supposed to be bought by uh, the biggest UK theater chain, mm. um, and that, uh, and they were gonna bring like a an AMC, like a, a, not an AM, right. not just a, like an unlimited thing here that mm-hmm. we still don't have. And I was just very excited by that prospect, and then right. because of all this, it's not happening. And I think, <laughs> like, uh, like I, I, Cineplex has been very bad at keeping customers and introducing anything new to that extent and it's just like if they die i won't be real sad about it like they have comfortable seats that's that's a good thing i'll say about them right i've seen some real bad projections of movies there real bad sound which is i think the problem with those big theaters where no one cares (laughs) well yeah that's a problem with big North American theaters in general. <laughs> um, I don't think I really experienced... No, wait, I did. I did experience that here. At a Regal at a Regal Cinemas here, I watched a projection where it seemed like the projector was just off. Like, it was at, like, 1% brightness or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was bad. It was the only time I've ever wanted to go up and get a refund for a movie. Um, yeah. Not 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 a not a good time, um, and on the sort of the uh, subscriber unlimited thing, I do want to say um, I was a little bit angry that AMC was planning to reinstate the 
stub member subscriptions without consulting their stub members uh, as one of them. <laughs> uh, I was like, no, I, I'm not going back and I'm going to cancel your service if you do that before everything's ready to open up. And on sort of reaction to your statement about, you know, I won't I wouldn't go back for six dollars or two dollar movie tickets, even with all this stuff going on. If they paid my subscription for the next six months, I still wouldn't go out unless <laughs> I knew that things were actually better and that the the virus was really dying down. Um and I say that as somebody who, before this all happened, was spending $20 a month on that subscription. So you know that I really mean it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's still, even with all the subscriptions I've subscribed to in the meantime to distract myself during this pandemic, that was still my biggest subscription that I paid on a monthly basis to anything. Um, and if it started back up again, it would be my biggest still, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, so yeah, like it's, it, it, it's a very weird feeling, um, to know that the thing that you really like and that you miss the most could come back, but you can't do it. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the weirdest thing, uh, having this conversation with people about, about like, you know, theaters, I don't care. Like I, I love going to the theater. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. I, I don't care if they reopen. I'm not going to go watch a movie there i yeah it's the last thing i want to do <laughs> it's the last thing i want to do right now but it's the thing i want to do the most yes at the same time yeah. yeah yeah it's it's a very confusing moment um and i'm glad that we got to share it uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh and uh I, I imagine people listening to this feel the same way so uh, uh i guess uh, if you want to write to us and tell us about your confusion uh do it. Uh, we've we've said the email before. Uh, Los Hero Podcast at, at gmail.com yeah. or you can uh, tweet at me. I'm at ECR. Um, I've kind of stopped reviewing movies that I watch. I just got bored with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I'll just like, uh, I'll start writing more on my letterbox. Uh, but yeah, for now, just follow me on Twitter. I like tweeting about Movies and video games, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Re retweet both of us and do that meme that we both did. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, I guess my plugs. Uh, Phantom Zone podcast, which I feel like I haven't recorded in forever. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, it will be back. There is an episode that was recorded that I was not on um, with, uh, I believe, Emmett Watkins. Um, so, uh, look forward to that episode, which will be coming out as soon as I edit it. Um, so yeah, there's that, uh, plans for an episode that's not recorded yet that we were going to record a few months back. Um, I'm not going to jinx it by saying what it's about, but hopefully that happens. Um, so yeah, uh, look forward to all that stuff. And, and I was on an episode recently of the Phantom Zone to talk about video yeah. games. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you can go listen to that. It was a fun time. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good episode that I basically listened to live, which was fun. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, um, all that, and I think that's the plugs. Um, bye. Stay safe. Yeah. yeah.
<laughs> Fuck Guy Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was no one we talked about th- that did something bad enough for me to say fuck them but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gary I was like did I say fuck Christopher Nolan uh, mm. I don't feel that strongly about it reobserve um, your present opinions Christopher Nolan let's say that let's, <laughs> let's end there yeah. uh, check yourself Christopher Nolan <laughs> alright this is it bye <laughs> <laughs>